apologies, Rob. I'm sure it's far too late for me to be leaving this voice message. And my question is, is it worthwhile tagging other film festivals um, with with your film, notifying that you've gotten into film festivals or else, or just generally updating them about where you are? Is that correct etiquette? Is that helpful? Um, if you could answer that, that would be great. Thank you very much. Hi Rob, I'm just after finishing my film. I'm not really sure what to do next in relation to entering it into a festival. Um, any advice would be great. Thanks. Good afternoon, Robert. How are you? Hey Rob, uh, could you answer a question for me real quick? Hey Rob, how's it going? I have a quick question for you. Hey Rob. Hey Rob. Got a quick question for you. Does anyone have any advice on where I should submit my film? How do I know if my film's quality is strong enough? Should I bother with a poster for a festival? Does anyone have any advice on where to submit my film? From the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival, it's the Future Film Podcast, a show for filmmakers and content creators designed to help creatives navigate the technical and psychological terrain of future filmmaking. I'm Rob Fitzhugh, and in this episode we chat with Dr. Rebecca Louisa Smith. Rebecca is the Film Festival Doctor, and this week we focus on the importance of having a film festival strategy for your short or feature. Filmmaking is an exciting, fun, hard and rewarding experience. Thanks to accessible technology like smartphones and YouTube allowing people to self-distribute, it has never been easier to be a filmmaker. Making a film might have become a whole lot easier, but getting the word out has become somewhat more difficult. In a crowded market, you need to have a plan in place to be sure you are cutting through the noise. One surefire way to make noise is on the film festival circuit. This is where this week's guest comes in. Dr. Rebecca Louisa Smith is in fact a doctor. She is a PhD in film and audience research, and her thesis was based on the works of Quentin Tarantino. Now Rebecca works with independent filmmakers, advising them on how to navigate the film festival circuit. I'll let her explain how she got here in her own words. Yes, so originally my original life plan was to um, move to Wales and study study for my PhD, get my PhD, which is in film and audience research, so it's Doctor Philosophy. And then I would live in Wales and live in the world of academia and all that kind of thing. But when I began to co-produce a film festival in Wales called the Abattoir Horror Festival, I actually began to realise that this is more like my life's purpose and my sole purpose is actually working in the world of film festivals. And then noticing a gap in the market that there was no companies at that time or very, very few that were um, creating for film creating film festival strategies for filmmakers. They needed help in that area. Mm-hmm. Filmmakers at Abattoir always told me that we don't know who to turn to to get our film into festivals or who to ask advice for. Right now, it's going on without a box. That was the one at the time that's probably yeah. the way. I'm seven for the best, really. So we need to really know what we're doing. We're just, you know, we're just like shooting in the dark. And I was like, right, well, I know what festivals want from working in one and traveling the circuit, knowing how festivals program, have experience, and give us a go. So this Giving It A Go became my company, The Film Festival Doctor, which was born in 2011. I began to prepare at 2010 and started doing my research and figuring out how to run a business because I had no business skills. Yeah. 2011, officially, when I moved to London, 
it went up and running and then slowly but surely each day gets bigger and bigger established brands so i'm still in my niche but i call it like i'm the leader of my niche um, right, which is in this day and age, which is what you want to be. You want to be the, exactly. the leader of a, a small tribe as opposed to um, exactly playing with everyone else. Exactly, yeah. And you're better. You're better off being. Uh, you're better off working with a small bunch of people, especially like one of the reasons. Like the, my festival is quite small, and one of the reasons I like it small is because I think the landscape has changed, and I think yeah. you need to be able to offer a, like gone are the days where you can just fire your film off to someone's filmmaker sends a film off and, and someone goes that'll be 60 quid and then you get a generic email back from them six months later saying thanks but no thanks doing that whole thing is gone i think you need to be able to communicate you need to be open for people to ask you questions come back and forth so by keeping an event small and, and you're able to kind of do that anything larger and it becomes unwieldy and and, and you're you're overwhelmed and inundated with stuff so you 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 started this what nine ten years ago now Yes, um, start off very small because it was very hard to get it off the ground because I had no other business model that people knew of or what this was to compare it to and also to, to learn from. There was one company who did it before me. Obviously, other people might have been doing it, but maybe without any exposure because back in the day of, in 2010 time, there was no Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That, was, that came around 2011. So my research was purely internet and forums back in the day. Um, so I found this one website called, called Film Festival Secrets, and they're brilliant. I mean, he still does it now. He's a wonderful pioneer of the whole thing of film strategy. He's well known for it. But he does limited, like, kind of um, services. He does mainly consultancies. Mm -hmm. We do also services where we actually get hands-on and submit the film to festivals on the client's behalf and lobby to get it into festivals and work as their manager. That other company was doing consultancies, like advising what to do and being that person to fill that gap and giving them advice how to get into film festivals and which festivals are good for their film. There was a gap there. So I had to so really, I was trying to prove this model and people were like, well, how do we know it works when you're the one that really knows about it and what it does? We've never heard of it before. Yeah. You know, if it was a sales agent, they'd be probably more trustworthy of me because you know, obviously everyone knows what a sales agent does and everyone mm -hmm. with it. But nobody actually knew what this whole kind of this whole new kind of sector was. It was very, very niche. Um, so it took a while to get to feel the trust. So me being in London helped. So obviously I was in Wales. And the film industry in Wales is very, very small. Mm -hmm. It's tiny. So to actually get it off the ground with the right clientele, I was in the wrong place. So when I finished my PhD, I was awarded the PhD. I have a doctorate now. I didn't go down the route of academia, which I know that upset my supervisor. But <laughs> I know it's not what I need to be doing or what my sole purposes so yeah. I can't really keep doing this and live a lie so then I moved to London 2011 and then went to networking events got it out there found clients to work with who trusted me on their film got results proved the model worked and then there was a business model here and since then it's gone strength to strength fail to prepare prepare to fail one of the things we've noticed here at the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival over the last few years is how little sometimes filmmakers tend to focus on the festival strategy side when they're submitting their films. Oftentimes there's an excitement to get something made, but it seems that not as much thought goes into who you're going to screen it to, your audience, the type of marketing material you have for your film. We thought we'd ask Rebecca just how important it is to have a film festival strategy when you're starting out. It is absolutely essential to have a strategy in place before doing any submissions. And the reason why is because you need to know what kind of festivals are going to want the film that you've made, how much money you have to spend on fees and how much you can afford to spend on submission of fees to the right festivals. The first step to do that, to achieve all of that, is to really look at your film, look at it objectively, 
and unpick it and think, right, this is what we've made. Who's going to want to screen this film? So let's say, for example, you have made a horror short film. So you think, okay, let's try the horror film festival route. But which level in tier? Can it be to the bigger horror festivals like Fright Fest and Sitges that are the pioneers of like the big genre crowd and have all the contacts and the awards and stuff? Is it for that level? Is it a groundbreaking narrative in the genre niche? Can it, can it actually travel outside of that niche? Can it be screened at something that isn't genre specific because it's got a story that is so original and can travel outside of that niche to a more mainstream audience? So really it's about unpicking the film. Obviously it has to be well made and great acting and you know, a solid product that is, it doesn't about the budget, but just is solid and it's, and it's high end, no matter how much it was made for, it doesn't, doesn't matter about the money, but it has to have that story that is not mainstream or boring or formulaic and really shows something of a new talent that takes risks and likes to really get hands-on and being edgy, innovative, and something that is what we call trailblazing, because that's what festivals want. Mm-hmm. And the tiers obviously want that as well. So in terms of this um, imaginary horror film we just made, um, so look, really unpack it, but sometimes you can't do that being the filmmaker, because as you just said, they're attached to it, they're emotionally attached, the ego comes in, they get nervous if someone gives them bad feedback. So really it's ideal to get objective feedback, doing test screenings, someone like me to come on board who looks at it from how festival programmers would review it, someone like you. Somebody who is not attached to you in the film will give you the best feedback possible to know exactly where to position the film and where best it will get the right type of celebration and awards and audience. A good poster, a great trailer. It goes a long way to letting people know about your film and who you are as a filmmaker. We wanted Rebecca's insight on how important a role these play in an effective strategy for film festivals. Some clients say to me, do we need to, we do we need to get a poster made for a short film? I'm like, well, yes, because it's still a film, essentially, whether it be short or, or long. It doesn't matter. And they went, oh, okay. And then sometimes people make them themselves, which don't look professional. So no matter what kind of film you made, short or feature documentary, whatever it is, it's important to get a poster and also it's important for the poster to be professional and delegate to somebody else who knows mm-hmm. how to make a poster and not just yourself on Photoshop or on Word, whatever, because that will not look good. Because it gives a very, like, for example, as you know, on Film Freeway, because obviously look at the films on Film Freeway, we create for our clients uh, on our Film Freeway account, the film page, obviously just looking after their film. So what we always make sure is we have a very striking poster, some stills, a trailer, and a really punchy synopsis that will hook the festival programmer in to think, oh, this could be good for my festival. And then obviously the bios and the director's statement. But the most important thing, besides synopsis being absolute killer, watertight synopsis is a very strong poster and a trailer. And poster is the first thing they go like, ah, they can tell mm-hmm. a lot from a poster in terms of how high-end it is, how much thought's gone into it, how professional the filmmaker is. It really is a important piece and also as you probably know festivals are actually asking to upload two film freeway pages posters because they want because they expect them now yeah and there's a yeah it because uh, because it's 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 the two reasons you just said it's it's they you i remember i don't know about how relevant is now i remember someone said to me years ago they used they used to say they used to say if, if you if you weren't if you didn't build a website, do you know what I mean? Like a purpose-built website for your film or whatever, you weren't that serious about your film. Now, I don't know how much that's true now, but my point, I suppose, to reiterate what you're saying is that a really good poster and time spent on it tells you something about the filmmaker. There's, it's something about opt- optics are always really good. So so when I get a really good, 
when I you can tell straight away before you've even watched the film a lot of times what Absolutely. you're in store for based on the style of poster that's been created for it. And Absolutely. the whole big thing you can get into about Hollywood poster design and how it's fallen apart over the years. Um, and that you, you used to have films years ago in the 80s, 70s and 80s where they created posters that were works of art that you wanted to keep on your wall. Now, I'd argue that that has gone a little bit by the wayside unless you want large portrait photos of Tom Cruise on your wall for every film that he makes. But do you know what I mean? There, there, there's a lot, a lot, although it might seem trivial but there's a lot can be said about a really good poster and obviously yes from yeah. a perspective it's, it's, it's also self-serving it gives me really good marketing material to be able to promote so let me just show you this this yeah. is a really good example of what you just said was put on so i'm going mm -hmm. to just do a little bit of a fun um little thing on the gift of my phone and zoom so we present currently a a short film called the gesture and the word which is um, a film from america and uh, James Michael Tyler from Friends. So this is the poster, and it was made designed by the person who did the poster for Get Out. Yeah. So, so you can see how beautiful it looks. I know it's a bit, might be a bit. Um, no, I can see. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So look at that, and that shows you a lot because it's a big budget short, has stars in it, uh, Paul Dooley and the guy from Friends, Gunther, James Michael Tyler, and it's a very well made film, woman director. That shows you a lot that it's a quality product as opposed to some posters which are just made in two minutes, no care and attention. That again, you're like, wow, this is interesting. Hence the interest it gets from people who see it on Instagram from other festivals that want to see the movie. So it's in a snowball technique. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing how that one little thing, like, and, and even then, even with trailer design as well, like a lot of times, because I remember as a filmmaker, like if you, it's, there's, an, there's an element of excitement to making a trailer for your film. But there's also an art that goes into making a trailer that I think sometimes people yes. forget about or they just take snippets from their movie. Like here's a here's 30 seconds from a movie. There's no context. There's no excitement. It's just here you go and the names at the end and something like that. So there's a real art form to it. But these are thank, these are kind of skill sets and stuff that it's probably changed now. But this is kind of stuff to me that that it is skipped over uh, when you learn film production and stuff like that now when i learned maybe it's different now but it's just it was elements that were just seemed oh and then you make a trailer and it was like you do all this and you get to the end oh by the way you make a poster make a trailer make this and that you put that out and that's stuff that you figure out so having somebody like yourself who's able to kind of guide people down that route because it's also i'd imagine something filmmakers don't want to necessarily concern themselves with or yeah. it's not something it's something extra they have to take on that they yeah, I mean, there's something extra, but also the extra includes money to do it right. So I was talking yesterday to some lovely new clients of mine, and they have the budget because they've had funds from uh, some uh, some funding bodies to get all the materials. And um, obviously more money comes in after making the movie. So it's important um, that you do plan in ahead in advance for both rules, so materials, and also festivals in the um, development stage so you can raise the funds for it. So for example, making the movie is the fun part, obviously, and getting into the movie and making the work of art and getting it all done. But then after that comes getting it seen, as you know. But people do sometimes under, over, underestimate the cost because it can get really expensive if you start traveling the world festivals, but that's mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I always say to clients of mine is that we streamline the festivals to attend so that will be worth to achieve their goals, like networking and you know, events and stuff like that, industry-focused ones. That's, you know, that's why you have to streamline it. But you need the basics are going to be money for submission fees. You need to hire me, for example, a DCP to get made, a poster, a trailer, and also an SRT file, should you be going to submit to festivals that are going to be 
um, all over the world and you're gonna if they get in you're gonna have to use an SRT card to make the titles um, that countries of origin so these all cost I mean they're not a huge amount but they're extra and if, they, if there's no money in the pot then how are you gonna get it unless it's your own personal funds so yeah. it does become important to plan ahead so early and think about what you want to do with it and it is difficult because in the moment when you're creative I know people have worked with other times can be like well I can't make excited I'm going to make it so well yes so how much money is assigned for what you're going to do with it afterwards? And where do you, what do you want to do with it? Now you've made it, what's the reason behind making it? And I say, showreel? No. <laughs> yeah. But it's like sometimes, but not, not all like that. I mean, there's some examples, but the main ones who are very more focused can be much like, well, it's for going down the route of BAFTA level qualifying festivals, a sh you know, a, a piece for me, it's a proof of concept. You know, whatever that kind of thing was a feature, it's the first time feature want to sell it and then I want to go to another one that's bigger budget. There are people that have got those plans. But you need to find tuning because it's part of a bigger picture and the micro details are important when it comes to film festival strategy. Yeah, because I mean that that process there's a I remember you're talking about that excitement. I remember the 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 somebody's like, I've got an amazing idea. You can imagine the production processes. I've got an amazing idea. You pour your heart and soul into making it. You're so happy. You slave over the editing of it. It's done. And this is this is without factoring in a distribution plan from my experience. And then it's done. And then they're just kind of like, okay, well, we'll do, we'll go for the big festivals because you know why not? They don't get into two big festivals and then they go, well, okay. And then the excitement is caught onto a new project, and then they yeah. just head off there. But I know filmmakers, and I've seen filmmakers who who are very good at the PR side of it. Um, um, and, and again, film taste is personal. I, I would argue that some of their films might necessarily be really, really good, but mm -hmm. they're so good at selling it and getting the word out and getting the name out that it's constantly there and it's constantly popping up and they're constantly appearing at festivals and things like that because they're very good at the side of, of getting out and getting people talking about their film. Um, and... I think you probably know yourself, it's, it's become so much easier now with technology and stuff like that to, to be creative and to make content. But I just think that people aren't really focusing on that side of it as much. Do you think that people should be getting into like this from day one in terms of like before they, they've come up with an idea for film and then they have to start thinking, where is it going to go? Who am I going to show it to? What's the purpose of me doing it? Absolutely. And I think sometimes the reason why they forget that it becomes a second afterthought when they've made it is because they weren't taught that way. I know at mm -hmm. film schools, they're brilliant, but sometimes not all of them. Some do, but not all of them tell them how to factor in that distribution. It's more about making the movie. So it's something that they're not being taught or it's not a common thing yet for them. Um, or they think about actors because they don't plan ahead or they're more focused upon. They're so intense in the process, you know, getting the funds for the movie, they forget about the afterthought. That's especially so with short films. But mm. can be a bit different though. Some people just can be more of like, you know, there's a reason to make this, we need to get this sold, we need to make it for the company, you know, it's a bigger picture to travel with this film around the world and we want to get it sold here and there and there's a bigger agenda to it. So that's a bit different, that's more like business focused. A lot yeah. of producers in the film industry, as you know, aren't always business trained, so they're more creative, so it can be a little bit of a crossover. Uh, but that's what we're there. What's what I'm here for to demystify that for them and unpack that, because um, obviously I have business, I'm business obviously driven. And for me, as also what's important too is I do love film. Obviously, I mean my favorite director is Tarantino. My PhD was on him. Uh, you know, obviously I have an interest in film, but it is kind of more the business side because uh, we're in a business and and obviously I don't make films, so I'm more like getting it out there kind of thing. So that's different to the making of it and all like the wonderful world of creating a movie. 
I'm writing a book now, it's just a side thing. It's not a book about film festivals, I already have one of those on my, on my shop, but it's a different type of book. And it's quite a interesting process because it's more about how to start up your first company. So it's for starting mm -hmm. entrepreneurs within your niche. So it's quite a great, it's a great story, but I'm also doing a lot of research into it and I'm seeing it as a product, you know, and it's, it's something I'm proud of, but obviously I'm seeing the business head on and not going to take offense to those that don't like it or if they need to do some more work on it because there's a reason why I need that feedback. And if I agree and disagree, then I'm there to really you know, have a team to open up to give me more feedback to, to get the best it can be. So you take that on. When you're too attached emotionally, the ego is like, I'm right and stubborn. You won't get anywhere but the force you're not listening. Yeah, it's like, because <laughs> we always have, I don't even, but like I'd always have filmmakers who, who were, who, you know, the, for better or worse, as sad as it's gotten, in the sense that someone will make something and they'll, they'll, they'll say, my film is incredible. And because my film is so good, on the strength of that alone, it will do well. Yeah. And, and you're like, that's not really true anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, it might have been a long time ago, but like, you could have, as I always say, you could have the best film in the world, but if you don't get feedback from anyone or you don't show it to anyone outside your friends or your family, you're going to have your mom say your film's very good and that's about it. Do you know what I mean? So it's about kind of putting yourself out there forcing yourself into a scenario where you are taking on that feedback as well like i've 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 worked with 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 filmmakers who 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 and i would have been one of them i remember i always tell the story the first film i ever made was the first short film i ever made was 22 minutes long and i was adamant that it was i was adamant that it could not be shorter than 22 minutes long and five years later i found it and i was like i'm gonna re-edit this and i got it down to three and a half minutes and i could have got it down to two and a half wow. but do you know what I mean? Looking at it years later, I was like, well, a lot of this is just filler and nonsense. And I, I remember, you know, I remember the experience of going out while the tide was out to find this beached boat so I could get that 30 second shot. That was a metaphor yeah. for whatever. But, you know, it makes sense to me, but to no one else. But I suppose it's that kind of feedback is essential. And I suppose there's, I work with a lot of I work with a lot of filmmakers who, who pour their heart and souls in the projects, but, but they, they, and they operate under the assumption that I've spent a lot of time and I'm quite passionate about it and it's really good and that should be enough. And unfortunately, given the amount of noise out there, I think it's, I find it's the, maybe you would agree or not. I find it's the people who, who put that extra effort into telling people about it and finding inventive ways to tell people about it that, 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 that get all the way to the finish line or get as far as you want. Like I know people yeah. running the circuits. I know people running circuits on short films and they've been doing it for two years. Do you know what I mean? They're appearing at every event. And yeah, exactly. And that's a, a filmmaker who is committed to a desired outcome and we'll see it through to the end. So every single project we work on from start to finish, we're committed to it. We don't let things slip. We see it through to the end regardless. And every project is like that. Some filmmakers sometimes, when they've got a film that working on us with, some arts will see it right through to the end and they're very committed like we are. This is their product, their baby, they're proud of it and it's a film, it's important to them. Some filmmakers do, another project comes on and they get busy involved making that and shooting that and they're interested in that. They lose interest in the current film because it's just, it's just the next project, they move on to the next project. Yeah. It happens a lot too, you know, everyone's different. But it's one of those things, it's part of their There's nothing wrong with that, it's just how it is. Um, you're right, the ones who are getting, a, um, getting it out there in a creative way is the ones that do get quite a lot of results back. I find Instagram is a brilliant platform to mm. really doing Instagram lives, doing posts. Obviously, films are visual mediums, so Instagram is perfect for doing that because that's what Instagram is. More so than Pinterest, more following on Instagram than there is Pinterest for filmmakers. And I find that we get more festivals connect with us and interested in our films and more of a like and more, more um, you know, like trust progress. When we when we post on Instagram, it's the one that really does do a lot for us. More so 
than Facebook. That's that's good, but it's not as strong as Instagram and definitely nowhere near that LinkedIn's different, put it all together and so is Twitter. So LinkedIn, sorry, Instagram is the way forwards. Yeah, I suppose Pinterest is, like me as a Pinterest user, I would only go to Pinterest to get kind of generic ideas or visual yeah. inspiration. Uh, there's no yeah. real context anything I look at, say, on Pinterest. There's no, like, I, I, there'd be no context in the sense that oh, I, don't, I don't really want to know what the image is about. I just want to know what it looks like. You know, is it nice, is it not? But yeah, I mean, Instagram has been, uh, even from festival management side, Instagram has been a godsend because now you're in a position to to... You, like I remember when I started this years ago, even from a festival side of it, I was looking at festival Instagrams and I was saying, well, you're, 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 you're talking about a visual medium, but you're not really using this tool. It was all, you know, big text or shots of laurels, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, te- writing. And I was like, you're not really focusing on the visual side of it. So there was a real push to try and be more visual and be more kind of engaging. But as a filmmaker, I could imagine that's how you get your, your stuff across, especially if you're, if you go down the road of having a stills photographer come, you know, having somebody come take photos and things like that. Because again, it goes back to that poster idea. I'm assuming you're saying where, where like, I, re- I love a really good, uh, a really good, well taken behind the scenes photo. Absolutely. Do you find that, that actually that made me think of something. There's a real drive now on, 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 on Instagram and on TikTok and stuff like that. People are really fascinated by behind the scenes. Yeah. Do you find there's more of a drive for that sort of content now, or there's more value to that sort of content? Well, with regards to um, behind-the-scenes content will not help you get your film into a film festival. Mm-hmm. It won't be any extra to get into a film festival at all. Um, and I find the behind-the-scenes works really well on Instagram stories, um, mm-hmm. doing videos or even shots of, like, you know, day one of the shoot. One of the films I work on right now called Waiting for Time is a brilliant short, and they, they did really well because what they did was on their Instagram was do lots of pictures behind the scenes because it was the first film that I'm aware of that was shot the day after lockdown was lifted in June in the UK. And there's brilliant pictures of them having like the masks on everywhere on set and how they were socially distancing. So it was fantastic imagery and the set was beautiful and the stars were great. So they did a really good job of that and they had lots of material and they had interviews with people. They had lots of shots behind the scenes with like seeing all the equipment, all that kind of thing. And it worked really well on Instagram and it worked really well for their website as well. So that was good. And it just shows people are really like, they're still, you know, they're making movies despite what going on in the background with the pandemic. So that was really interesting. Um, but in terms of festivals, I never really liked to put behind the scenes pictures on the Film Freeway page, more so mm-hmm. or screenshots, but it's not behind the scenes because they're not interested in that. Um, that is more something just to, you know, by the filmmakers to see people actually doing their work and their craft coming together. And that's important to, for collaboration purposes and exposure. Um, so I think it's, there's a need for it. But in terms of film festivals, it won't get into a festival based on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, like, I probably wouldn't be, like, inclined to want to share, unless it was, in fairness, now, if it, if, it was, if it was Instagram and it was behind the scenes video of something and it was involved around phones, I might share it as kind of an example of, of filmmaking. But no, I'm looking for nice, clean, clear, yeah. really good, nice optics. Where I like the behind the scenes stuff is it, if it's done well as a programmer, it'll make me, it'll, 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 it'll keep it fresh in my head. It'll remind me of the film. Um, and I get people, I don't like, I get people, so actually somebody emailed me the other day about the festival and they wanted to submit a film, but they had a really clear, really like you're talking about, they had a really clear synopsis in their email. They had all this nice, clear information and they had all the upcoming festivals that they'd gotten into plus previous ones. Plus what they did, which really worked on me is they had photos of audiences laughing at their movie. 
not necessarily the movie, just photos of people in the audience laughing. And that stuff really resonates with me and stays with me. Um, and I don't know how much value it'll have in terms of, of, of when it comes to program because it's judging, but that stuff makes it stand out in my mind over, I mean, I'm talking about that film other than the other 25 films that were, you know, contacted this week. So, so there's something there that works. Um, and I think if you're able to harness that or if someone like yourself was able to harness it, then there's a, there's a real advantage to, to that sort of process. With the rise of COVID-19, festivals have had to adapt for 2020 in order to survive. We were curious about whether these changes, if any, have had a positive or negative effect for filmmakers in the festival experience. Um, well, I adapted my business very quickly um, to CB19 and the pandemic with regards to film festivals. So what I found was that a lot of filmmakers were, uh, during lockdown, actually finishing off their films quite well remotely in post-production. So we mm-hmm. got quite a lot of new films to work on uh, during lockdown because they, these people had told me about them. Some of them had told me about their film previously. And we're like, oh, it won't be done yet. We've got lots of films to, to make, lots of shoots to do. But that got obviously put on hold. Yeah. They actually then had time to um, finish off the films they were in the process of finishing remotely. So a lot of them... A lot of that worked, so we got some new films coming during the lockdown, which was great to work on, and they're starting to get on the festival circuit now. And I've had to adjust quite well to the new kind of festival normal that's, that was happening during the lockdown that was online. Now that worked. There were some festivals that really did it really well, some that didn't. Well, they tried, but their heart was in it, but it wasn't quite pulled off. And some, as I mentioned, were just exceptional. And actually some networking got done that was really good, and people felt like it was a festival. So it was very hit and miss. But it was still, I was still grateful for online. People could still see the film. You still got that official selection Laurel. It still went on. The show went on just virtually, mm-hmm. um, even though it wasn't real. Well, it wasn't live. Yeah. Um, so I began to embrace that format more and didn't write it off too much like people did in the beginning. And I'm now going to see, it'll be really good to see how well it works when the hybrid model starts emerging in September. So the yeah. hybrid model will be partly live, partly online. So what, for example, TIFF are doing is uh, then running it, they're running it, but to a like, you know, such a distance, such a distance way with all the rules in place for the live section, which will be a bit stripped down and, you know, like not as full as it normally is, but it's still there, so the presence. And then they'll have all the industry stuff that's normally like full of people online to allow those people to still partake. And there'll be like quite a lot of hands-on, you know, like participation. So that'll be good to see. And other festivals are, doing, are going to be doing that too. And I'm also liking in America, we've got three films that are going to take part in festivals in the States that are going to be via the drive-in movie theatre. So it'll be all outside and open and they'll be, it'll be, they'll be doing it as they plan to do it, but just outside. And obviously with masks on and all that kind of thing. And they'll do an awards ceremony, but there'll be gaps in between the, the, the sort of distancing kind of thing going on. So that'll be good to see. It's like a new way of... Yeah. The, operating which I think could be really good to see how that transpires the rest of this year and I mean festivals will eventually go back to how they are once once everything really does settle down it's kind of in the way when they say safe but you know it's kind of like safe in the terms of the you know it's things have calmed down and, and there's no signs of it or there's no or you know, whatever happens you know like a point where we can start going back to having you know larger crowds shall we say mm-hmm. um, when this all kicked off I was at the Sneakwest Film Festival in San Jose and literally we're all in this very small room and we're like, what's going on in the world with this pandemic? Uh, sorry, with this uh, virus. And then all of a sudden we got this email that South by Southwest had cancelled. We were like, wow, this is yeah. not flu. <laughs> yeah. It was like, this is something else. So it was quite a stressful time, um, but it was a great festival still, but they cancelled it halfway and we scheduled it to September. 
at the second half because um you know because the audience are old and it's an area where you know, it's high risk yeah. so stuff going on but um but i think it's going to be exciting this new version it will still work and it also really shows that those laurels from festivals no matter what tier they are or whoever they are and those awards are still valid and are still very important because it's important for the festival for the filmmaker uh for their film and their branding and for their career yeah i mean it's it's uh, like i was i'm i'm interested in the i was quite lucky my event was in the very end of january so i go into kind of a hiatus for a while so so um it'll be january next year so i'm kind of excited about the hybrid model yeah um, simply because I, it'll, it for me it'll expand my event because before I, I now I'll be able to accommodate more, but now I'll be able to have, you know, talks and things with with people online that that I would have needed funding maybe to fly them over before, and I wouldn't have had. Exactly. So now you can expand that event. You can before you would have had, you would have had filmmakers who who from you know Tanzania and things like that where they submit, but they might necessarily you know they 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 might be able to watch their film online, but that's about it. But now they can contribute in the networking side of it, and because you'd be yeah. able to run online networking events, and that to me is the real value. That's the whole reason of, of, of for me of, of doing an event and, and, and you'll probably see the same from the people you work with. There is a real networking value, putting all these people in a room for two days or one day or a couple days and having them chat and making those connections and then working on projects after that or expanding. So that it's for me, that's the important part is finding a way to, to, to harness that. It is. And you're right, because um, the one that really worked best for me in terms of online film festivals, and like you said, what you're going to do is, is talk to more people and you haven't got to spend a fortune on bringing them in because you can do it all on Zoom and, and all these other platforms. But the best one I thought was New Filmmakers LA, because they really were very good in terms of making people feel like welcome part of the festival. And that really depends upon the person who is hosting it. So mm -hmm. you're, you're very good at getting people together. You've got a great voice and everyone feels engaged. So he was, he was similar to you, uh, the guy that runs the Pixel 8, um, Larry and his team. They were very much like, you know, like getting involved, like, oh, so tell us more about your film and what you're here for and what's the next step. And you know, like, actually engaging than just talking like a group and just like not people treat, not people treat, sorry, not, not treating people like a numbered individual. You know, so Rebecca, so what film are you here with today? And like, oh, what's this? And what else do you do? And it's actually, you got the chat on the side, people start talking and then you engage more real time. So. It works when the, monitor, when the person running it knows how to engage. How to, yeah, yeah. Because I'd imagine if you didn't, it'd just be like, Here, you know, you've got all these faces on a screen. It's like, okay, talk amongst yourselves. And everyone's just kind of waiting and watching around. So it, I'd imagine it does really take a, a, a personalities to be able to kind of, because everybody's sort of awkward, you know. So it's, it, yeah. it's, it's like if you put a bunch of people in a room, you know what I mean? Everyone, if you have someone, one, at least one person there is willing to break the ice and bring people together it makes everything yeah. a whole lot easier. So um, I have yet to do any sort of networking online, again, because I've, I've managed to be in this weird sweet spot where I'm not really affected by anything at the moment. Um, but I will have to start doing all this uh, quite soon. But yeah. um, from your perspective, though, from a client's perspective, it's business as usual. You've just had to adapt. And Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, one thing I didn't want like, the pandemic do was produce uh, any fear in me or my, or my clientele or any of the filmmakers that wanted to work with me. So again, the fact straight up, you know, is that, you know, festivals are not cancelled. A lot of people thought that every single festival are cancelled. But I said, no, it's more a case of it's like mis, mis, uh, misconstrued press. So it's a case of some of some have had to cancel completely. Mm -hmm. A few of them did. You know, it's not a huge amount, but a small few did and just cancelled it the following year. Some, though, have um, rescheduled later on the year and do like a smaller strip back event or hybrid. But some are still running, but they're going online. That was a new kind of thing that people threw people together and had to navigate it. 
So then, so that we need to, need to like submit to festivals, whatever kind of format they're going to run on, because these festivals are going to be important for your film. And so the laurels and so the awards and that happen in the journey, no matter what kind of platform it is, we can make sure that people see it with our connections, uh, even though it might not be live and just make drive them towards it and show that your film is worth seeing. So there's yeah. value in everything. So it's still the same. We've been really busy. We've had some great films come in that are new ones are going to represent. We've, our current films are doing well because results are coming in. We've had a lot of films of ours get into Oscar qualifying festivals, which we're really proud of. So we're embracing the, long, the online really well now and just using everything we can virtually to, for our clients. Not all filmmakers like online, but they're adapting and seeing the value slowly now, but some, some yeah. are. I would imagine because you, you grow up watching films in the cinema, do you know what I mean? Especially and when you're a yeah. filmmaker, you make them and that's kind of your end goal dream is to sit in an audience and have people watch it. So I can yep. imagine the idea. But but then, you know, if you look at yourself in the perspective of saying, I want as many people to see my film as possible, regardless yeah. of what format that's in. Um, and I think then there, there is real value to that. It's interesting times. I, I, yeah, you're dead right. I assume it'll, it'll, it'll go back to some... Uh, it'll go back to some resemblance of normality, but now with this heightened idea that everyone would become so accustomed to an online, you know what I mean? I would have felt, I would have felt strange maybe last year kind of going, all right, well, we'll do an online networking event. Do you know what I mean? Uh, because it wasn't what people are accustomed to. So that they, I, I would have felt strange going, well, who's going to go to that? Or who's going to see the value in that? Or, but now people have become accustomed to that. So you're more likely to try these ideas and to, to be able to, in a hybrid event, to be able to sprinkle them in. Um, and, yeah. to, and and for me, exactly. it'll just expand the, your 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 avenues and what way you can go and how many people can watch films and things like that. There are numerous reasons why your film wouldn't be accepted to a festival. Oftentimes, filmmakers get rejected and assume it is because of the quality of their film. We wanted to speak to Rebecca about the main reasons she finds films don't tend to make it into festivals. A lot of the time, it's not because people sometimes assume because they didn't like the movie or it's not very well done. A lot of the time, it is. Uh, competition so there's lots of lots of submissions from all types of sources not just on from Prairie but obviously the festival sponsors their alumni their colleagues the whole lot submits so it becomes quite crowded so you know it's a numbers game basically mm-hmm. that some features obviously space in the program even though festivals have gone online some of them are still limited to what they can do because they can't obviously the film on there because of the bandwidth and because of the limitations with the films they have so it's not a case of anything online it's more a case of that they're a little bit limited in their space and also it can be because of the film, which something is when that's when a filmmaker submits who hasn't looked at their film properly and can't see the limitations in it and gets upset why isn't getting to festivals. That can be linked to, as I said before, the story is not edgy enough or graphic enough to go into the festival circuit or the sound is not there or there's no, the sound's bad or there's problems with the editing, there's problems with the acting, the length is too long. You know, you said your film is 20 minutes, is now three minutes. Some of them can't see it needs to be cut. So if the film is not where it needs to be to reach the potential, it's not a polished product that has actually some edgy value to it and presents something a bit more fresh, that will not help get into any type of festival. Do you find um, when you're, uh, when you're work, like when you, when a client approaches you, will you, will you, will you look at their film from, from the standpoint and just say, oh, yes. I can work with you, I can't, or it doesn't offer this or it doesn't offer that, or, yes. you know, um, like I, I did a video recently on running times just when you mentioned it there, simply because I was trying to explain from a festival's perspective that like you, your film could be incredible, but if your film is too long, that running time might start to work against you from a programming perspective, just to say that like, you know, cause from your saying from bandwidth and from the amount of scope you have, 
Um, sometimes it can come down to okay well that film is really good and it was but it's 17 minutes long and these six films are incredible and they're three minutes a piece do you know what I mean and that it starts to become like a numbers game after a while so so running time sometimes is a thing I remember sometimes I, I get filmmakers who approach me because we have a 15 minute cap it's all short I have filmmakers who approach me and they say listen I, I want to add an extra minute I have this really good sunrise footage that I want to add to the film it's like okay well that's great, but how important is that sunrise footage in the sense yeah. that, does, you know what I mean? Is it, yeah. is, do you need it? Is it that integral to your story or do you just exactly. really like how it looks? Do you know what I mean? And, and then, because, and you're right, I don't think sometimes people don't factor that in, if you know what I mean, or that whole kill your darlings thing where they're, 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 people are so interested in, in, in they, they, they've slaved over and they like it so much that they, they don't want to remove things. But there's yeah. so many factors at play where, where, where stuff like that can work against you. Um, but, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's true that's true um completely you're right um it's interesting because um a lot of the time people it becomes too much about the visual than it is a story and that thing with short films as you know any short film can be shorter <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. The shorter, the short, that's true the shorter the better like you know or like it's funny because you're talking you're talking about edgy content and and and, and i 100 percent agree and and you do notice cliches when you're programming events, you start to notice cliches. I'm sure you notice all the time. And when you work the thing, you start to notice that stuff that people have watched filters back into the shorts that are being made and you, you create a short film and it's, it, you love it, but little do you know that six or seven other similar themed things have appeared. Do you know what I mean? So from a yeah. programming's perspective, you're looking at a film where, you know, somebody's watched Tarantino with his mystery suitcase and you're saying, okay, well there's six other films where somebody has done something similar. Do you know what I mean? So um, it's, yeah, it's funny. There's just so many different things at play. And sometimes I find filmmakers are like, well, my film is crap. And there's, like, there's, there's a thousand different reasons why your film mightn't get picked and quality isn't necessarily one of them. But you are right. Short films could always be shorter. And one, I, I, I can't speak, I can only speak from my event and the events I've worked at. But um, people don't make, like anytime somebody submits a comedy, and comedy is very hard, but when a comedy is done well, it's, it's a real breath of fresh air from a programming perspective. Of course, no, comedy yeah. is hard. It's hard, but when it's done, and I always say, you know, people are like, I'm gonna do a horror, I'm gonna do a psycho thriller. I was like, yeah, okay, but maybe consider something because from a fresh perspective, from somebody watching all these films, they're like, oh my God, a comedy, that was quite funny. Or I only ever got one musical. And I remember thinking, God, I'd love if more musicals came in. They're hard, but they, as a calling exactly. card, and it's to stand out from the pack, something like that. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 it really, it really, really does. Through the noise, you know what I mean? and, and comedy is the timing because yeah. the timing is off oof, it can go downhill mm -hmm. and it needs to be literally just like boom 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 and not a gap because it'll just lose the the fun and the whole message so yeah absolutely i mean you say if you also comedy works better when you've got somebody that's got that lived in face and, and has experience yeah, like, yeah. and if that's not there it's not going to work yeah no i wouldn't i i would never if like i would never you know, I wouldn't say try a comedy in the sense that, you know, if you're, if you're, if your story is your story, it's just, I, I suppose from the perspective of, I think I, I find a lot of people lean on certain genres and sometimes yeah. if, if, if sometimes when it's not the, the norm, it really stands out from the crowd. So, and, and if it's incredibly short, you know what I mean? If it's a really short, short, that's funny because yeah. it's a re it's a joy to program because you can wedge it in somewhere and it, 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 it gives the audience kind of a break or a breath of fresh air, even if it's for a minute and they move on. Um, but do you find, do you get a whole broad range of, 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 of films coming to you? Is it, is it or yeah. 
Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, a really broad range. Um, we get a lot of narrative fiction, both shorts and features. We do get documentaries and we do work on them. We've got one now which is doing really well. It's, um, that's already got into some big festivals, Rhode Island, because Rhode Island, um, Nashville, and Cinequest, all like of a high end and Oscar level qualifying. So we're really excited about that one. So poignant piece documentary and filmmaking, oh my goodness. Um, we don't get many music videos. Uh, and when I do, they have to obviously be exceptional. We don't get a lot of those. It tends to be narrative fiction, shorts and features and documentaries do come in too. But we do the whole lot. Just the one we don't really get is music videos. It's maybe not a popular one. The, there are music video obviously categories, but it's one I think people don't always want to do festivals. Not to worry. There is a surefire way to get your film accepted to festivals. We picked Rebecca's brains just to find out what she thinks is the best path to success for filmmakers out there who might be struggling with a way to approach a film festival strategy. Um, my advice would definitely be, have you thought of the end result before pressing record? Yeah. It really is like, what is the bigger picture here? The shorter picture is making the movie. You can do that you know, in a few days and edit it in a couple of months or whatever. But what do you actually, what's the reason behind making this? What do you want to do with it? There's a reason behind making a film, whether it's an independent movie. So what is that reason? And how do you fit into festivals and seen by the world? Yeah, and I, I, I think I think for I, I can't speak for him, but I think for a lot of times people are just like, oh, I'd love to make a movie. And that's about as far yeah. as their thought goes. Um, so what's, what's your why? What's the why driving you to do that? So yeah. when you think that is, then figure out what you want to do with your whole life generally, but also with the film and how you want to get to see that's rebecca louisa smith if you want to find out more about rebecca and her work head over to the filmfestivaldoctor.com you're listening to the future film podcast from the dublin smartphone film festival and you can subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts if you want to contact us, reach out to us on social media using the hashtag DubSmartFF or head over to DublinSmartphoneFilmFestival.com. I'm Rob Fitzhugh. Catch you next time.